us some amazing stories. Would you just thank God for those? Man, that was great. Yeah, this is week three of a, a three-week series that we've uh, entitled One. Um, and this, if this is your first Sunday and you're our guest, man, I couldn't tell you how excited we are uh, that you're here. But you're, you're going to have some catch-up to do a little bit, all right? So I, I would say definitely after this service, uh, go and find, you know, the messages online and catch up on that. In fact, you can download the app. It's free and, and get all those um, all those messages as well. And I would echo what Kathy said. This is, this is a, a once every two year uh, service. So what we're going to do today is not, I don't want you to think, oh, every week is going to be like this. Probably not. It's going to be kind of unique today. And I would again echo what she said. If you guys are committed to one and being like, yeah, Wayne, we want to, man, we want to see God do some crazy, awesome stuff. Uh, in and through our church over the next two years. And so we're, we're all in on this, this idea of one. Uh, we're one church. We're going to pray one prayer. God, use us. And we're going to absolutely be sold out to live this one life for Jesus Christ. And we want to reach one. All of us want to reach one. If, if you're just like, yeah, man, that sounds like something I'm, I'm all in for. I would say go out to the lobby and find the little um, banner in the middle of the lobby up against this back wall and take a Sharpie. There's a bunch of different uh, colors of Sharpies. I took the purple one, all right? Um, we beat LSU yesterday. I guess that's why it was on my mind. But anyway, y'all didn't think that was funny? I thought that was hilarious. Uh, and we signed it. Uh, so I signed my name on there. And so, hey, take, take uh, the time to just make that practical step toward, yeah, we're one. All five campuses are going to take the signatures and digitally combine them for one banner. It's going to be kind of cool. So I'd love for your name to be on there for sure. Um, but we started two weeks ago talking about one church. Last week we talked about we share one prayer, God use us. And this Sunday we're talking about one life. Go and take your Bibles, turn in, turn on your Bibles to Mark chapter 2. Mark's gospel, chapter 2. And in relationship to one life, we could say it several different ways, but I'm going to say it like this. We've got one life to live, and we've got one life to give, right? And with that in mind, we want to make sure that we're, we're living it out loud for Him. And the best way we can do that is to share the love of Jesus with other people. We're going to commit to, uh, all of us, I hope and pray, are going to be willing at the end of this service to say, Wayne, I'm willing, God, I'm willing to, uh, to commit to do everything within me, to pray for and reach one person in the next two years. Uh, and so that, that's, that seems like, I know some of y'all may be like, well, that's a pretty small goal, one person each. And I would say, if we all do that, it will be unimaginable what God would do. And I want you to think about this. This is not about 10, 15 people getting together, going soul winning or witnessing door to door. This is about over 5,000 members of a church, probably on any given month, over 3,000, 3,500 attend one of the campuses of our church. It's about those folks, thousands of people. Can you imagine if thousands of people all said, you know what, I'm going to do everything I can to pray for and reach one person over the next two years. It would change the state of South Carolina. Man, it would be a massive thing. And so I want you to join me in this prayer as we ultimately pray to to, to commit together to these three aspects of ministry that'll be very clear today and the next steps will be very clear at the end of the service. 
So in verse 1 of chapter 2 in Mark's gospel, here's what it says. And when he returned to Capernaum after some days, this is Jesus, after Jesus came back to Capernaum, it was reported that he was at home. Some of your translations may say that he was in the house. I like that. Jesus was in the house. And many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And as he was preaching the word to them, they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they, when they could not get near because of the crowd, they removed the roof. They removed the roof above him. And when they had done this, they made an opening. They, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was laying. And when Jesus saw the faith of those four men, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. I mean, there's a lot of things we're going to say. And, and I, even in your book where you got the sermon notes, we're going to get to those points in just a moment. I'll promise to give you those points. But let me share with you some general observations about this scripture so far. We'll jump back in in verse 6 in just a minute. But I think it's so cool that we can see, first of all, that, that at, at, at the, I guess the basic elementary point we see here is that our faith actually does impact other people. That our faith and belief that Jesus can change things in the lives of hurting people, it actually changes. It, it, it impacts people. It, it does something. And even God recognizes our faith that he's capable and able to do things in the lives of those we care about and we love. But here's, here's a tough thing that's going to be difficult to hear. We're going to want to push it away, but this is so true. When people care, they share. I've said that before. This is not something new, but it's something that's so relevant to the day. When people care about other people, they share what matters most to those people. If I care about somebody and I have a solution, I have an answer that I know they'll benefit from, then I want them to experience it. This is what we do as human beings. When we care, we share. And that's what these four people in this story are doing. They know the answer. They actually have heard of this solution. And how did they hear about it? What actually leads us to the next part. Second, when Jesus uh, was present and the word was on display, people showed up. How did they show up? Well, people actually gave a report. That's what it says in verse 1. It says it was reported that Jesus was in the house. It was reported that Jesus was in the home. Now, what significance is that? Because when people care, they share. When people care, they share. And when they actually believe that, the, that Jesus is the solution, then we're going to report outside these walls that stuff is happening here that other people would benefit from. Testimonies like we hear about life change and about how, how God's moving in the lives of other people when we actually hear reports about hundreds of people being saved and baptized in a year. And, and when, we, when we hear reports about campus is growing and God just working in a remarkable way and in other services on other campuses that his name is being proclaimed in places it's never been proclaimed. This, this morning, your church, there's actually a gospel sermon being preached in a hotel in the name of Upstate Church in the name of Jesus Christ. That's pretty cool, right? And so there, are, there is a gospel witness in places that it was not before 
That's reason for us to report it. And when life change has taken place in our community of faith, we need to go outside these walls and report it. What's going to happen when we do that? I firmly believe that as, as crazy and bent as the world is against God, that we're still surrounded by people who are hurting. Man, you heard it in the testimony today. There, there, there are people who are hungry for the truth. They're hungry for an answer. They're hungry for the solution. The problem is not that we, we don't have the solution. The problem is we are not reporting it. We're not telling the news. We're not telling other people where to find the answer. We're not sharing. And why are we not sharing? Because we are not caring. You may say, Wayne, that is not fair. Why would you judge me and say that I'm not caring enough? Can I say it this way? I don't think any of us are caring enough. Because if we care, we share. We do care about a lot of things, and we share with others the things we care about the most. But then third, just this observation. Notice how casual Mark is in verse 4. I always find this amazing. This is not the first time I've preached this here. We've looked at Mark 2 before. This story is always kind of humorous to me. Because Can you imagine four guys coming to your house and ripping your roof off? That's, that's kind of crazy, right? And, and, but Mark's just kind of casual. He's like, oh yeah, they removed the roof. <laughs> is that not crazy to you? I mean, it's like, oh yeah, by the way. I mean, they, they got on top of the roof, they tore the roof off, they lowered the friend down. I mean, it's like two sentences there. I mean, could you give me more detail, please, you know? This is pretty extreme. And I think it, it testifies to what we're talking about. They really cared, and they really believed. Those two ingredients changed everything. They actually believed Jesus was the answer, and they actually believed that their friend would be, would be healed and cared for. And so they, it changed them to where they were willing to do anything, anything it took to get their friend to Jesus. And so we see this fourth thing, this observation that I, I think is awesome how Jesus, he sees their motivation. It wasn't an impure motive. It was a good motive. They wanted their friend to be physically healed. But even though they, he saw their, their motive and he saw that they were kind of a little misappropriate or misunderstood his, what he could actually do, he still blessed them and he still honored their faith. And they actually said, because of your faith, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna forgive your friend's sins. Now this caused a commotion. It was kind of a, a big deal, right? But I'm sure the four guys were probably scratching their heads and were like, oh Jesus, sorry man, we weren't asking you to forgive his sins. We, we want you to heal him. You wonder, I mean, like because, I mean, they brought the paralytic man, they dropped him down, they tore the roof off, and Jesus didn't immediately heal his physical body. He actually healed him of something far, far greater need. And so Jesus recognized, even though they brought him for the other reason, he gave him what he really needed. And look, you're surrounded by friends, families, neighbors, that's a word you're gonna hear a lot in the next few months. We're surrounded by neighbors, who need a lot. Man, they may be hurting. They may be broken. Their families may be broken. I mean, they may be physically in need of healing. Any number of things. And, and, and I know that we want to help them physically, but we need to acknowledge that what Jesus really teaches us here is that first and foremost, they need him in the forgiveness of sins. Our, our community needs Jesus. There are some religious people, listen, who need Jesus. 
There's some people who live next to you who say, yeah, man, I'm religious. I go to church or whatever, you know, or I belong to this denomination. I belong to that denomination. But honestly, they wouldn't know Jesus if he walked inside their house, right? And, and, and so we understand that we're surrounded by people who oftentimes in the South and the Bible Belt are just confused. And some people think if you live in South Carolina, like right when you move to South Carolina, you automatically become a Christian. Do you know that? It's like, it's like poof. It's like, you just, oh, you, maybe not a Baptist, but at least a Christian, right? We live in South Carolina. And, and so you may have grown up in South Carolina. Maybe, maybe you grew up in the South and you just think, oh, yeah, it's like this, it's this cultural Christianity. Everybody's a Christian. Listen, 80% of people in your neighborhood are sitting on the couch or haven't got out of bed yet today. That's how much they don't know Jesus. And look, on any given week in a year, that's where they'll be. Or, or they're, they're going somewhere out. They, they don't, not only do they not prioritize church, they, they really don't believe anything. They just call themselves Christian because it gets you off their back. Makes them feel better about themselves because they believe it's a moral obligation to believe in God. And since they live in a state or a, an area that kind of that's where the majority lean, that's just kind of what they say to kind of make everybody feel better about them. And maybe it helps them go to sleep at night. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. They need you to care about them enough to share. And so part of this commitment today is, is coming up with this like, who's your one? So I wanna, I wanna ask you to really begin to pray, even for the remainder of this time, who's the one person that I'm gonna really pray for? And you may can't narrow it down. Maybe there's like three, all right? Who, who's the one person that I'm gonna pray for, but in my, my praying for them, in my identifying them as my one, I'm gonna actually also pray, God, would you use me? God, would you use me to build a bridge to them? God, would you use me to help bring them into a relationship with you? And that would be such an awesome thing in the next two years if God uses us all in that way. Let's go ahead and look at verse six. Mark 2, 6 says, Now some of the scribes were sitting there. That's awesome. So the religious folks were in the house too, right? So some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like this? Talking about Jesus. He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And this is, this is a point that, man, it may not even rock anybody's world. Maybe you totally already know it. And it's, not a, it's not this you know, crazy extreme statement. But listen, I think this is so important. In this passage, it reminds us, there have always been religious people who don't recognize Jesus moving. There have always been religious people who were scribes and Pharisees, who were pastors and teachers, who were denominational leaders, and, and not only did they not recognize when Jesus was moving or speaking, when God was present in the house, but they actually criticized the movement of God. <laughs> I mean, you may say, oh, that, it's impossible. Religious people are good, right? Well, not all religious people, right? Some religious people actually use religion as an evil tool to dominate, to control and so religion's not the answer, and it was never the answer. The, the answer is a relationship with Jesus. 
And so these religious people began to criticize Jesus and begin to criticize everything that's going on. And, and, and so I really, I know it, it's maybe oversimplifying things, but there's two kinds of people, to be honest with you. There's people who are going to report, report what God's doing as good news, and there's people who are going to report what God is doing as bad news. There's some people who are going to observe what God is doing and somehow twist it to where it's not, it's not God moving. And then there's other people who are going to take what's happening and they're going to report it and they're going to tell everybody they can so that they can also share in this experience that God has led them in. And so we have to acknowledge, look, there's always been religious people who don't recognize when Jesus is moving and we need to be the people who report it. We need to hear and recognize, acknowledge God is working here and we need to be willing to go out and share it. Look at verse eight. And immediately Jesus perceived in his heart or in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves and said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier, to say the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed, and he went out before all of them, so that they were all amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this before. Now again, to oversimplify everything, if there's anything that I could say, I hope and pray that everybody you bring to, to Jesus, everybody you bring to church, everybody you bring to be exposed to the community of faith, like Barbara was talking about when she was on the ventilator, that there were men and women of God who loved her enough to actually drive around uh, North Greenville Medical Center to pray that he would work in her life. That's the kind of testimony. That's the kind of work that people are missing. That's the kind of movement of God, the hands and feet of Jesus that your neighbors need. And so what I'm hoping and I'm praying is that as we bring people here and bring people to a connection with Jesus and his church, that they will experience him and they will say, we've never seen anything like this before. Man, this is not what I thought about religion. This is not what I thought about church. This ain't what I thought about First Baptist. Did you know people have a stereotype about First Baptist churches? Yeah, that ain't what I was expecting, you know? I mean, I knew you was gonna, I knew you was gonna talk about Jesus, but I thought there was gonna be some, some kind of experience I wasn't used to. I was, I, I, you know, that I would, I would feel uh, rejected or somehow unworthy. And look, if you're here today, and again, this is your first time experience here at First Baptist Samson of Upstate Church, let me just say, we're in a room full of people who do not deserve Jesus. A room full. Not one man, woman, boy, and girl deserves Jesus and his grace more than you. And so look, you may not, again, you may not expect that that's what, that's what a, a Baptist, that's what a Christian church would preach. Listen, that's the only thing an actual Christian church will preach. That's what the Bible teaches us, is that there's, there's none righteous, no, not one. There's nobody in this room who, who sits on a pedestal high enough to look down on you and condemn you, but we aren't gonna skirt away from what's true. And so we, we ultimately do dive back into this commitment of, reaching unbelievers because we actually believe the word of God. So for the next two years, uh, we're going to be crossing over and transitioning, really standing at a massive crossroads, I believe in, in the entire life of our church. We talked about the imperative of unity two weeks ago. We are one church. 
We talked about sharing that one prayer, God use us. We'll talk about that even more in just a moment. Today we're acknowledging this initiative is more than words. This is more than just writing something down on a piece of paper. It's actually something we wanna live out. We wanna actually be the hands and feet of Jesus. We want to give our one life to give our one life for the cause of Christ. And so we're gonna do that by living one life for Jesus and committing to reach one life for the glory of God. Now we could spend two months of our message really talking about the motivation of evangelism, maybe the the why we should go. But I'm gonna go ahead and just share real quickly a couple of assumptions I'm making because again, if, you're not, if you don't have any background with our church, you may not know these are assumptions. But this is, this is really who First Baptist Simpson Will Upstate Church is. And this is truly what we believe and I think will help us understand why we should care about lost people. First of all, as a church, we truly believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. If you didn't know that, that shouldn't be a shocker to anybody. That's what Christians believe. Now, I'm not saying that's what every church that calls themselves Christians say they believe. That is what Bible-believing Jesus followers believe, that Jesus is the only way to heaven, and those who reject his offer of grace and forgiveness will spend eternity separated from him in a real place called hell. That is a foundational truth of the Bible that if we don't admit, evangelism means nothing. If Jesus is not our only hope, then I understand why nobody's caring enough to share because we don't think that he's the only way. But that is what the Bible teaches. So this is an assumption. Jesus is the only way to heaven. Secondly, every Christian is responsible to be a witness. We truly believe that every Christian is responsible to be a witness, which means we're responsible to share the gospel. Now that doesn't mean you you take and hit people over the head with your Bible, man. But it does mean over the next two years, I'm asking you to say yes to the commitment, the challenge really, that's before you today to be a witness, to bring people to Jesus. The very simple step of that is to bring people to church, to actually hope that they will connect with Jesus who can change their world. Third, we believe if we don't share, they may not hear. If you don't share, they may not hear, and if they don't hear, they may not believe. We're gonna talk about this at length. Romans chapter eight spells it out. In just a couple weeks, we'll walk through it. We're not going to have time to talk about it in detail right now, but that's just a non-negotiable part of the gospel. It says, says, how will they hear unless there's a preacher? Not talking about a pastor like me, but all of us preaching the gospel, speaking the gospel. How will they believe unless they hear? And so this this is simple assumptions. But then fourth, you love unbelievers. I believe that about you. I, I, don't, I don't doubt for a minute that everybody in this room who's a Christian wants to see unbelievers saved. That's just, those are four assumptions about who we are. So if those assumptions are true of us, then here's what that means. We care. We care about the souls of men, women, boys, and girls who are in the upstate of South Carolina, far from God. Who are, who are bound right now, unless something changes, unless they hear and they believe They are going to spend eternity separated from a loving God in a place called hell. And we aren't okay with that. Why? Because we care. So because we care, we must share. So if all my assumptions of you are true, this is my question. How much do you care? Here's 
I guess a more appropriate question, how far are you willing to go? How far are you willing to go to see one life saved? How far are you willing to go to see our church unified in mission and in message to see the upstate of South Carolina changed forever? I hope and pray that we can say these next three steps are simple, but these are the steps that are found in your book if you wanna look at it real quickly. Here's some three steps that we've gotta take if we're gonna be the church God's called us to be. We've gotta acknowledge the solution. What's the solution? Jesus, period. Jesus is the solution. And so that's why our mission statement is pretty simple. We believe God has put us here to connect people with Jesus to change their world. And so when you come, I mean, you don't, you don't necessarily <laughs> always hear like the, the, uh, a, a, a soft message. We believe that we should be challenged as Christians to connect people with Jesus. And, and, and we have found the treasure the parable of the hidden treasure. We've found the pearl of great price that is legitimately worth giving up everything to follow. This, this is the heart of Christianity. And so with that in mind, that, that's easy. Acknowledge the solution, Jesus. Second step, expect obstacles. I mean, there were religious people opposing Jesus, right? There, there were actually the religious elitists of the day opposing Jesus. Jesus, and I wish I could tell you, look, I wish I could tell you that when, when God uses upstate church to do some crazy stuff to reach lost people, that all the other churches in the upstate would celebrate with us. You know what? That's not true. That's not true. And it could cause us to even maybe do less because we don't want to offend this person or that person. Listen, I, I, I don't know how to convince anybody else of this. It is the heart of your leadership. It is the heart of our church. We desire to be a church for the upstate. And we can say all day long that we want to pour into other churches. That is an absolute fact. It's a non-negotiable of who we are. We're going to pour more into other churches than we're pouring into our own. And that is a heart of who we are. But it's not going to slow down our desire to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the upstate. We're not stopping and we're not slowing down and we're not going to be reluctant because we might hurt someone's feelings. We're going to rip the roof off. Y'all all right? We need to tear. Yeah, go ahead. Hey, we are so reluctant because we're afraid we're going to offend someone. God forbid someone die and go to hell because I was afraid I was going to hurt their feelings. Now, that doesn't mean that we should be hateful. I mean, you hear me say this all the time. Before God, say the right thing the right way. Don't, don't hurt people and harm people with the truth of God's word. That's ridiculous. That's not what Jesus did. We love people. We've got to love people. That's a non-negotiable. But God forbid, in the name of love, we actually hate people by not telling them the truth. So we've got to find this balance of obstacles are going to come, but they're not going to slow us down. We're going to tear the roof off. We're going to find the rope, and we're going to lower our friends down to Jesus. Why? Because we believe beyond a shadow of doubt that Jesus can change their world. We've got to connect them to him at all costs, no matter what it takes. We've got to connect them to Jesus. And that's really our third point there. Do whatever it takes. We've got to do whatever it takes. Now, I'm not suggesting we're going to do questionable things that would be guilty of sin in order to reach lost people. No, but we're going to do whatever it takes. We're going to do whatever it takes. It doesn't matter if religious people rise up against us. Honestly, it doesn't even matter if sometimes 
We have to sacrifice and surrender our own, our own stuff and, and change our schedules. And dig deeper into our pockets. No matter what it is, let's do whatever it takes. And this brings us to the practical next steps that we talked about in the video last Sunday. Real quickly, I want to make sure I deal with this to where we're all aware. I don't want anybody being confused about what we're talking about. So everybody grab one of these. There should be enough in your pew for every family to have one. If you can't find one, if you'd raise your hand, uh, Jeff is supposed to have them available. Uh, has some guys with some uh, cards available. Uh, maybe even as you raise your hand, there may be somebody behind you who has an extra. But raise your hand if you don't have one. Your family does not have one. And we'll get one to you, all right? Anybody? Anybody? All right. There should have been plenty around. But if not, if you slip your hand up, I bet anybody behind you or in front of you would give you one. Raise your hand real quick and you'll get one. Because we're going to walk through this together. This is not going to be awkward. The only person it's awkward for is the person who doesn't have one in their hand, all right? So... Right? I mean, that, so it's not awkward. Uh, and, and you might want to go and grab a pen because this is easy. These three boxes, I'm being really transparent and honest with you. This is like Christian stuff. This isn't like radical. These three boxes I'm going to ask you to check. And I know you're sitting there going, wait, I, I'm seeing some dollar signs down there. Would you ignore that for just a minute, all right? Look at the three boxes. And here's what I'm asking you to commit to. This is what one's all about for the next two years. I'm asking you to, to say, First of all, before God, I'm committed to be one church. Yes, Wayne, I'm, I'm agreeing, I'm committed to unity. I love Upstate Church, Harrison Bridge, Malden, Anderson, and Five Forks. I love downtown, First Baptist Sensible. Man, we're, we're in this thing together. We are one church, and I'm excited about the unity of God's body here. I want you to take that pen right now. Don't wait. Take that pen, check box one. If that's your prayer, and you say, I'm committed, man. I'm, I am all in on the unity aspect. 100%, that's me. Check box one. Just so that you know, Amy and I have already checked all three boxes, all right? Our card has been submitted, and we are 100% committed to one. Second box is gonna seem a little scary for a minute, but let me just, just stay with me, all right? The second box is that you share one prayer, God use us. And I don't want you to, to check the box because you see dollar signs or don't check the box because you see dollar signs. The dollar signs are part of that, all right? And so if generally speaking, you would say, Wayne, absolutely, I am surrendered. I'm committed. I, man, this three weeks has challenged me. It may be in the area of serving God. I, I may need to, man, I need to serve in this area, host team. Uh, I, I know I need to serve preschool, children, whatever, whatever it is. I, I, I want to serve. I want to I I uh, surrender my heart. I, whatever it is, God, use me. God, use me. I, I need to go on missions. Man, I, I want to be one of those missionaries that's mobilized and and gets one of those scholarships to go on my first mission trip ever in my life. I want to be that, regardless of what it looks like. Maybe it is. You know what? I, I've never given a dime to the church. But, but I'm going to become a giver. Maybe I am a giver, but I'm not a tither. And maybe that's your surrenders. God, use me, my resources, my finances, my family. No matter what that involves... I'm not asking you to do anything in the blanks below, but if you would generally say, yes, I agree with that, I will share that one prayer with you, God use us. I want you to check that box, the second box right now. Go and get your pen, just check the box. And, and, and here's what I'm gonna say as you check that box. 
The financial component of it can be very confusing. A lot of people, I, I, I pastored a long time, guys. First church I ever pastored. I remember a woman, I can tell you her name right now. She's already gone home to be with the Lord. Wonderful lady. I love her to death. Sat beside Amy in the choir all those days. I remember a conversation we had one, ta- one day, day, and she said, Wayne, I just don't agree with commitment cards. And I said, I hear you, I understand. She said, I'm just letting my yes be yes and my no be no. And kind of took that scripture a little bit out of context, but that's all right. And she, she just said, you know, I, I, with my commitments between me and God, I want you to hear this. While I don't share her uh, opinion about that, I didn't share her opinion about that, I respect you if that's your opinion. And I don't want you to miss out on a public commitment to God as one, simply because you won't put a dollar sign down. So I want you to hear this. If you will say, yes, I'm committed, check the box. And if you just can't get there on on a particular amount of money you're gonna commit, then I I am telling you, not a soft sell, because I believe you should do it. But if you're just not willing, I respect that. But I, I want, for those who are willing, here's what these things mean, because it could be a little confusing. The first block, if you don't know what you gave the last two years, leave it blank, all right? That's only to compare to, to see it could be this much of an increase overall when they add it together. The second block is a two-year amount. That's a little confusing because of the word annual. But basically, Amy and I just sat down and said, here's what we're going to plan to give. Now, we give every other week. So every two weeks, it comes straight out of our bank account. We don't even get to pray about it every week. It just comes out, all right? And so that's an automatic draft. And so we just, we prayed about, hey, how much are we going to give? I don't mind telling you this, all right? Because I I believe, I I want you to understand we're invested. We tithe downtown, all right? So our our tithe, 10% goes downtown Simpsonville. We're giving above our tithe uh, an additional amount, and we're giving in the name of Upstate Church Anderson. I don't mind telling you, it's because my son's the campus pastor there. Bless my heart, all right? You don't like it? I don't care. I don't care a bit. I don't care. So here's, yeah, I don't care. I'm just trying to tell you that the reason, the reason that's helpful is you add all that up, all right? Add whatever you're going to give. Mission giving in Christmas time, whatever you're going to give for the two years. And I know you're saying, well, that's a guess. Guess. Give it a good estimate and put down in the next two years, here's what my family plans to give. That's what Amy and I did for our family. And then that lower blank there is for the big gift. Two weeks from today, we'll have a big give. It's a mission gift. It goes toward the one fund, the one uh, budget for the next two years. And it does give us an opportunity to pour into all of these missional activities. We launched two campuses because of your faithfulness. That could not have happened had people not given sacrificially. And so uh, we're also going to give the highest gift, the biggest gift uh, to the IMB, Lottie Moon Christmas, off in the history of our church this Christmas because of your faithfulness and all in. So those are all the, the financial part of there. I, I don't want you to hear me say that's not important, but the box is more important than that. But I hope and pray you'll be willing to put that. Be go ahead and filling that out. And then the third block, if you'd say, Wayne, I am committed to having one. I, I'm committed to evangelism. I don't know what that means exactly. I'm scared to death about what that may mean God wants me to do. I don't know how I'm going to reach my neighbor. But I know this. I'll go anywhere he leads. No matter what else it means, 
I'll do anything he calls me to do. If that is not your prayer, leave that blank. I mean it. Like, don't, don't check it. But if you'd say, yes, I'm going to commit to do everything I can to pray for one and reach one in the next two years. I want you to take a pen and I want you to check that box. I want you to check that box right now. Now, for the next two minutes or so, it's not a long time. I want to make sure you remember to put your name, all right? Because here's the thing that commitments help us do. Two things. Help us hold us accountable. I can pull up my phone right now, go to the Realm Out app, which we can show you how to do. And I can pull up and see what I committed two years ago to give. And I can see how much I've given to it. It holds me accountable. So that commitment does hold me accountable. But you know what else it does? It it helps the church plan. It helps us know we had this many hundreds of families commit to all three parts. And I think it's cool if you go out and you put your name on the banner. That's fantastic. That's a public statement or stand. But there's nothing quite like being able to bring this commitment to the altar. So I'm going to ask you to do that in a minute. But I want you to have two minutes or so. You may want to even lean over to your spouse and say, hey, is this good with you? You know, or you'll be in trouble later. Trust me. All right. Uh, or it may even be that you just want to pray. Say, God, would you bless this commitment? I know there's, there's no power in this paper, but God, would you, would you use our commitment for your glory? Right now, just take those couple minutes to pray, all right? And then I'll be back up. song that we've never sung before and I think the song really is a, a summary of our heart and our prayer as we commit before we begin to sing I'm gonna pray I'm just gonna pray for your your families as you make commitments and I'm gonna ask you when you hear the word amen to begin I don't know if everybody wants to at one time I think it's pretty cool you can see these are the cards from the first two services I don't know of one family I'm sure there may have been some. I don't know of one family who didn't bring their commitment to the altar in the first two services. Some solid, godly people, man. So proud. I'm hopeful that you'll be willing to bring that with your family down here. Now, some of you may want to actually just kneel on the altar and say, God, will you bless this commitment? God, will you use us? Will you give us the ability to actually keep the commitment that we're making? Others of you may just want to throw it down and and, and head back to your seat and just, uh, just sing this song about surrender to God. No matter, man, I hope and pray that this will be a collective statement of unity. 
as we say, God, we are one church that shares one prayer, that's willing to live one life and reach all of us, reach one life together for your glory. We want to connect people in the upstate to Jesus, to change their world. Lord, we love you. I pray this time of commitment would be special and sweet. God, I pray as families lay their commitment card down, I pray you would bless them, that you would just, even as they make their way down to the altar, God, I pray you would just uh, honor that physical statement of faith as they demonstrate their commitment to you, Lord. Would you hear our prayer as we say to you, I'll go anywhere. I'll do anything. Just put me where you want me. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?